it's interesting, Justin, not to talk about my job too much. Um, but you know, we live in an age where working on the internet is a thing that a lot of people do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know if this is the experience of people who are not freelance writers or just like writers on the internet in general. Um, but I'm gonna call it once every two weeks, maybe once every like nine to ten days, I get an email from someone who's just cursing me out. And it's interesting. Uh, it's always about phones now. It used to be I would get, because I don't get emails from people who are mad about video games. They just tweet at me or send yeah. me a DM like, yeah. I'm going to come to your house and kill you. And it's like, whoa. Um, but now I get I get emails from like, not elderly people is the wrong word. Like, I'm going to say people in their like 50s, right? So, like, who are just mad at me. And they're like, do your own research. And I'm like, I did. I, that's the, my job. <laughs> I did. I get, I get emails that are like, not to be graphic, but like, why don't you do some research instead of sucking Apple's dick? And I'm like, I don't. I don't. I don't give a shit about Apple as a company. Um, but it's interesting, like working on the internet. And I, I, like, I guess my big question is like, I wonder if other people experience this. That just like, I'm going to refresh my email. <gasps> An email? What's this say? Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> you know? Cause like, I feel like if, like if I worked in person somewhere, it would take a lot more, like people would are a lot less bold IRL than they are on the internet. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You wouldn't, if I worked at, like, if I still worked at old Navy, people wouldn't come in and just like say, fuck you. And then leave, you know, like instantly, like that's the only interaction I have with them as opposed to like what it is now, you know? Um, are you familiar with rate my teachers or rate my professors? Oh, I am. I am. So that's a very similar thing. I haven't checked mine in a long time, nor do I necessarily feel like I want to right now. Um, but it, when I use rate my teacher professor, I used it specifically in college to find out which classes to take. They had like some really good information about like who was nice. Like if, if you, there are a thousand uh, psychology 101 professors, right? You want to pick the yeah. best one that fits your schedule, yeah. that fits your whatever. Um, so that was nice, but like, that's also like just the public internet <laughs> and like people can say whatever they want, no matter how yeah. mean they are um, on them. And I feel like when you can't control that kind of stuff and it's just out there for people to read, how many times have you written a positive Yelp review, Peter? Uh, Justin. I'm not I'm not imploring you to look up your rating on ratemyteachers.com. Okay. But you've scored well. Oh. You've scored very well amongst a lot of people. Uh I, I uh okay, three people. Okay. But, <laughs> but you only you, I'm trying to say you only have three reviews here. And they're all like he, like clarity, five stars. Okay. Easy, uh, 4.5 stars. Exam difficulty, uh, two people gave you five stars. I, I guess. I don't, I mean, I would imagine that means like easier. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then one person gave you three stars. Helpful. Two, two, five stars, one, three star. Knowledgeable. All three of them, five stars. That's pretty good. Textbook use and is ironic, though. Textbook use is, yeah, kind of ironic. Oh, you did, you gave in and you looked it up. Yeah, I looked it up or just as you were saying it. Uh, textbook use, yeah. uh, someone gave me a one, a two, and a five star. I don't have a textbook, so I'm not quite sure the validity of this uh you teach books though right like you but do you would you call would you call by ellie wiesel would you, i remember that one would you call those textbooks though no no uh, uh yeah i mean like in an english class yes okay yeah it becomes it becomes work instead of just a book like a book yeah yeah 
um to kill a mockingbird i remember that one we so um, all those books you mentioned i don't teach anymore <laughs> what yeah i know i still teach as a freshman same thing i don't teach those anymore wow i know i teach uh the glass castle uh, a book that we replaced speak with because speak was too old uh came out the same year ironically enough oh weird yeah um Are they then, about similar dark subject matter uh not, not funny for a podcast but similar topic n- sort of i mean one's yeah, okay. like one's a memoir the glass castle's a memoir speak is got not. it yeah. um and then i teach uh the uh book all american boys are you familiar with all american boys uh i'm not like it sounds familiar Mer- it's it's by jason reynolds basically it, it like takes place in a world similar similar to like ferguson missouri and george floyd um mm. when a uh, black teen uh gets beat up by a police officer um, and the book is cool because it happens from two perspectives. It happens from the black teenager's perspective and then a white teenager's perspective um, who witnesses the event. And it's kind of like two sides. Uh, one is about the personal struggle. One is about like the town struggle. Um, Interesting. Good. I like it. Uh, Jason Reynolds uh, and Brendan Keeley are the authors. And Jason Reynolds is a, is great. He's come to our school to speak before. Highly recommend looking up his stuff. And Brandon Keeley also came to our school. Um, not that I wouldn't recommend to talk to him. It's just Jason Reynolds was a, a, a moment in life. Yeah. Um, and then what's the other one I teach? Oh, yeah. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> so Yeah. All-time classic. Yes. Yeah, you know still I mean? scraping that one out yeah. uh, and making the kids read it. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, that's what we teach nowadays for the freshmen. So if you want to learn about those books, don't text me because I am not <laughs> going to respond. I'm on summer break. <laughs> Do you, do you like, I mean, I, I guess kids are different than like, like hopefully like socially conscious adults. Like, do you get emails just like, fuck you? Oh, <laughs> not, like, no. not, not as like overt, obviously, but I mean, sometimes like you get like an, an, an upset parent email or something yeah. like that, or you get someone like, why'd you mark me absent? And I'm like, cause you weren't in class is why yeah, I marked you absent. Generally how, how that happens. Um, yeah uh and, and like those kind of things and i think i i take it more that it's not kids yelling at me when the kid sends the email it's them they just don't know how to send an email right yeah one of yeah. my pet peeves when i get an email when they don't have anything written in the actual message they just put it in the subject line yeah, oh no totally like and just like no like i just yeah. hate that that is it's not no, a text message you, you the subject help then you explain yeah. why you need help. Not how do you do this math problem? Subject line, nothing in there. Don't do that. I don't. I don't. Feel no, like I, that. I I get that. Um, well, I, if I may read you an excerpt from this email I got uh, four days yes, ago. Yes, please. Sorry. Um, basically, I wrote an article like saying should. Basically, I, I was asked to write an article uh, comparing like should you buy the iPhone 14 or should you wait for the iPhone 15 family, um, and <laughs> like. I'm not going to read you this whole thing because he's very, he goes into a very, a lot of detail, but um, he sends like, you said this. And then he sends me a paragraph that I wrote and then it just follows up with, are you insane? All <laughs> um, and then he goes on to say like, I have issues with my phone all the time. Why are you recommending this? Um, but the way he signs off is it says um, sincerely pissed off colon. And then the guy's name. And then believe it or not, his full fucking phone number that I considered calling to just be like, hey, man, I'm a person. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, and to leave the yeah. phone number is a, that's, I don't. That's, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing, like, I never, you are never, don't respond to these. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. this is the same way that, like, I treat uh, when people tweet at me all mad. Like, you don't respond to this because 
if you're if you're the type of person to send me an email like this, I'm not gonna ever want to win your heart or anything like that. Like, I just don't think we would get along. So I'm not gonna even try to like correct you. You know what I mean? Um, you should like just respond and say thanks for being a fan, and then send him a pair of socks or something. Like, just totally. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Just or maybe unrelated. I should just put his put his phone number into one of those like collect calls. <laughs> That's my gift from you. Sincerely pissed off. It's Headbox. going on everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number justin 150 150. holy shit holy shit 150 that's a lot of podcast episodes my name is peter hunt spitek and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host justin makovich justin how are you you know i hope we look as good as our podcast does when we're 150 you know what i mean oh i agree yeah prime it's it's better than ever it's ever been yeah exactly i I do believe that you know with with just keeping up with a semi-healthy diet i did just have three hot dogs for dinner i'm so jealous of you right now. i know but i i here's the thing i ran out of hot dog buns so i had to use white bread oh um so in australia oh um there is um, i believe yeah so there's a food item called a snag which is basically it's a sausage that you put um on a piece of white bread kind of diagonally you fold the white bread so it's like a bun and then you put grilled onions and barbecue sauce on top of that and so that's like a that's what everyone eats oh, <laughs> all the time interesting yeah, snag. Um, I, I also and- see they call it a sausage sizzle is another name Yep. So the well, like a, the sausage sizzle is the event you go to where they serve snags. You know what I mean? Um, and they have an event called a sizzle. Okay, I'm forgetting the name of the store, but um, there is a hardware store that every Saturday, uh, uh, oh Bunnings. Yes, I believe Bunnings is the name of the warehouse. Like yeah, lumber yeah. Store. It says the hardware trade Bunnings Warehouse. Yeah. Um, where every like Saturday or Sunday afternoon they have uh, sausage sizzles um and a heart i need to go to australia parking lot (laughs) oh my god like so uh by the way when i turn 40 my trip my trip is to go to japan um my wife's is to go to australia i think we might have to switch up these i need to get us i need to go to a sausage sizzle at bunnings immediately snags are pretty fucking good man i know man at at the school i went to when i was there um they had like every wednesday they just gave them away for a single uh, like a one one dollar coin and like what here's the thing america can we get on the one dollar coin yeah that sounds awesome can we please get on the one and two dollar coin because i you spend like you just have those and they're just free coupons for stuff you know what i mean like like you end up with with 15 dollars in your pocket by the end of the day and you're like oh my gosh i like this is great you know what I mean? And then, like, you know, spending real money, you got to think about and whatever. But, like, one or two dollars, like, yeah, I'm just going to get a little sandwich on the street because it's two dollars. And also in in Australia and everywhere else in the world, um, tax is built into the cost of the thing. Go figure. So it's just when it is two dollars, you like, hand them two dollars and then is. they give you the thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, was it you who showed me the currency in Australia that you can't rip? 
Yep. It's like it's indestructible. Plastic. It's plastic. You can't rip it. You can like cut it if you like use oh, scissors, yeah. but you can't rip it. If it goes through the wash, it's fine because it's plastic. Um, it's each bill is a different color. Like and they're like vibrant, like purple or green or like blue so that you can easily identify what they are. And also they're different sizes. So the bigger the amount of money is on the bill, the bigger the actual bill is. So you, you can't counterfeit them because they're the wrong size. Yeah. You know what I mean? But also it just makes them really easy to identify what bill you have. And uh, also the, it's fucking cool. It looks cool. In the camera, you're holding up a bill that looks like it's like a foot oh, long. No, like I'm just like imagining these switch. clown like, wallets you need in Australia <laughs> in order to hold all the money. <laughs> I have some, I have some in my wallet cause I just never took it out. Cause it was also like kind of fun to just have. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But my wallet's in the other room, but um were we talking about video games or something? Oh, I, we, <laughs> we should. I was talking, talking about, about my my yeah. my diet, but now now snags is actually a thing, so I don't have to it's just tell really people good, I'm eating dude. a hamburger, uh, a hot dog on a piece of bread. I'm eating a snag, everyone. Snag. It's a meal, and it's a, it's a word that just feels good. Yeah, coming out snag, snag it. Uh, although I would love to talk about Australian delicacies and money for an infinite amount of time, Justin. We should talk about video games because uh, a bunch of stuff happened this week. Here's a, a preview lot. of what's coming up. Uh, we're going to start by talking about Nintendo announcing a new 2D Mario, among other things. Everyone looks bad while appealing to the FTC over the Microsoft Activision Blizzard um, acquisition. And Game Pass is getting a price increase. We're going to talk about all of those headlines and more coming up. Before we do, I want to give you a reminder to hop into our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer. Um, like Jay Noel and like Dave Parker every single week, those deluxe podcast producers get an additional 30 minute bonus episode, um, which last week was even longer than that. It was like an hour uh, where we just went over everything that happened at the Nintendo direct in depth. Uh, we're going to talk about that. As I mentioned before, a little bit today, but if you want like every single thing that showed up, we talked about um, that is on our deluxe podcast feed, which you can access for just $3 a month. Um, if you can't support us monetarily, all good. Uh, Twitter.com slash hitboxpod. Give us a follow. Rate our podcast on the podcast player of your choice. Whatever you're feeling, you can do. Um, we would appreciate that a lot. But I don't want to talk about that too much. I don't want to bore your ears off. Instead, Justin, I want to talk about the Metacritic Roundup. What do you think? Let's do it! Metacritic Roundup. Two games in the Metacritic Roundup. Um, both that we've played. What? so we're gonna have a little bit of an in-depth conversation here i want to start with a game that i feel like less people have heard of maybe not heard of but are thinking about this is harmony of the fall of reverie we were given um two playstation 5 codes for this game this showed up at a um nintendo direct a few months ago i think it was the most pre like the most recent nintendo direct before the one that we just had uh, earlier this week um this is the new game from don't nod makers of life is strange um remember me and remember me what's that other game that they made uh um, it was like a christopher nolan inspired life is strange uh doesn't matter yeah it's a great game it does it was not very well received but uh harmony fall of reverie uh was received all right it scored a 76 on pc and is unscored everywhere else but it's also available on the playstation 5 xbox series x and nintendo switch um like I said, we we got some codes from Don't Nod. They were very kind to to send those our way. I've played about an hour and a half of it. Justin, you said you've played about four hours of it. Give me the rundown of what this game is and what you think of it. Okay, so this game is uh, Don't Nod going full 
uh, visual novel, I think is yeah. the best way to describe this game. Um, it is like a visual novel in terms of what you're doing. Um, it's a decision-based game, so you still have to make decisions much like you would in a Life is Strange uh, yeah. type of game. Uh, but it's not really, like you're not walking around the world. You're watching these kind of interestingly animated um, stills of characters uh, talking back and forth with each other. And occasionally at the end of each act, you'll have a very brief um, animation of the characters doing something, but it's a little yeah. vague in terms of what it is. But the first thing you got to know that this is a visual novel and visual novels tend to put me to sleep. I don't know if yep. you are also on that bandwagon, um, but they even if they get interesting, like a Doki Doki Literature Club at a certain point, there's still a part of that that like makes me want to fall asleep when I play it um, until you're being watched. Until Monica comes out yeah. of the screen. Yeah. And just stares and at you. And it's a from the files yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Just, I don't remember. Anyway. But um, <laughs> so this is a visual novel. So warning. And it felt like that that snoozy visual novel for the first act and a half, I think, because it's yeah. just a lot of like letting the story happen and making some choices. But the concept of the of the game is that behind our own world, there is an alternate world where human ambitions, what do they call them? They're like human ambitions or emotions live that your ambitions live and ambitions are characterized as these different characters. Um, So you have bliss, you have bond, you have truth, you have power, you have glory. And of course, chaos are all the characters. And as you're going through this game, you, the decisions you make will often give you these crystals that are related to those different uh, types of uh, characters that you get. So you make a choice, the fun choice, you get a bliss crystal. You make the choice of a leader, you get a power crystal and that kind of thing. But what you basically also get to do in this game that kind of changes it from your traditional um graphic novel, choose-your-own-adventure story kind of uh, game is that you in your character uh, are basically the sage harmony and you have the gift of foresight and you are able to know what decisions you are going, you can make in the future and what your uh, different decisions will end up doing by going through them. And that's like represented by like, you see the full timeline yeah. and like the branching paths yep. and everything. Yep. So you see a timeline and branching path. Think of if you've ever played like uh, a quantic dream game you know how like you finish oh, a chapter. Oh, the end of every chapter. Yeah, yeah, you see that, except you know what those paths are from the very beginning. And in order to make it kind of like gamey, you can sometimes be blocked off of certain paths based on what crystals you've gathered. So if you've been doing something to work on your bond skills the whole time, like every time it's like, I want to, I want friends together, we're gonna make bond. You might get to a choice that you can either use your bond crystals to make this choice, or if you have the bliss crystals you can make this choice and you generally see those choices ahead of time so as i'm going through a chapter i'm like i'm going to make things that are going to lead me towards making bond choices because i want to have this option so it kind of guides you but as you keep going it gets more and more complex and sometimes the choice you want is blocked off because of a decision you made in an earlier chapter that prevents you from going in that right path um a perfect example of of where this game kind of goes. Um, there's this moment when there are four of the uh, ambition characters and two of them that are basically like on opposite factions. And you have to make choices that are impacting like 
you you want to make sure that you're protecting your friends, but every time you help your friend, instead of making a choice to um, like do the uh, activity that you want to do, you're helping the other side. And if you make too many choices in one direction, like instead of getting a crystal, I want to make sure my friend is safe. Eventually, the path you want to take is going to be locked off, and you have to take the more chaotic path because mm-hmm. that's how the game kind of just like guided you to that location. So I think the story itself is a little weak, but I think the mechanics of how you are making your decisions and how you are engaging with the novel make it more interesting than it just being a visual novel where you choose this or that, or this is the character I want to romance, or this is the character Mm -hmm. I want to romance. It's at least kind of... Uh, connecting all these stories in interesting ways because your choices, even though you know what you want to do, you're sometimes locked out of those choices with your gift of foresight. The story itself is basically as you are, uh, you're in this like on this island and you're searching for your mom who has gone missing. And the island is kind of controlled by this big tech company. Uh, Like say Google decided to like control everything. Yeah. And And then you find out that maybe this tech company is actually becoming a successful tech company because they are also using that gift of foresight in order to make decisions. And they're trying to basically combine the two worlds. So you have the the reverie, the the world where all the ambitions live, and then you have the human world, and this Mm -hmm. company wants the two worlds to be one. Is that the good choice? Is that what you want to do? Should you try to break up this company and break up this world? Should you like what it, like what is the right option? And sometimes the thing that you think is the right option might not be the right option. For example, I was following um, the Bond character a lot at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I started to see a lot of Bond's choices. We're, we're mixing a lot with chaos, and I was like, I thought you were the good guy, but maybe mm-hmm. Bond is the good guy. Maybe chaos is a good guy. Who knows? And where's your mom? I don't know. So, like, that's what the story is, and I think yeah. I can describe it in maybe a more interesting way than the game actually does. <laughs> that, that's my problem with it is, like, like I, I think it is a neat idea. It, it just hasn't, like, come together for me, because I know yeah. that you are, like, you've played it more than I have, um, and I imagine you're probably liking it a little bit more than me. Uh, I've just had a little bit of issue, and it might be because I'm still, like, relatively early on, but I feel like I've given it a pretty good shake with, like, an hour and a half, you know what I mean? Where, like... I feel like I'm still being shunted down a single path and, and that like, I don't necessarily understand how, when I am choosing something, how it is going to affect future things. Cause there's some stuff that I just can't pick, but like eventually, like, as you were saying, you need to spend the crystals to unlock certain paths and whatever. Um, and like, I have, I've met all the requirements and whatever, but for whatever reason, I, I can't unlock the path. And I just have to go with the one that is unlocked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think what they end up doing too with the trees is they make them not linear necessarily. There's a lot of mm-hmm. times when you have like three branching paths and at the beginning one's locked off and you think it's because of one of the choice you made. And then you do the two other paths and eventually one of those paths leads to the center branch or the other path doesn't. So like you don't necessarily move through the stuff in like a single line. And then okay. sometimes they have these choices that are inevitable choices that no matter what you have to choose them. And sometimes they're like locked behind a counter. So I have to make four choices before I get to this like critical point, like this point of no return kind of thing. Uh, 
That might and, be where I'm, I'm. And in some t- cases, you want up. to avoid those inevitable choices because they're like a bad result. Like one of them, you're having a conversation with a character, and you're slowly starting to make this character angry with you. And if you go too far into the line of questioning, you shut off everything that you could have got because she gets angry at you because it's an inevitable choice. Mm-hmm. So there, there is this kind of metagame that's going on because you know kind of like what you got to do. You know the result that you want. You know what it's going to do. But sometimes it's not quite as easy as just being like, I'm going to focus on this path with these choices in order to get it. So I think yeah. what makes this game more than a visual novel to me and what makes it better than an average visual novel to me is the fact that you are thinking so much about your choices, not only about what you want your character to do, but you're trying to think about your choices in terms of what is the best way to get across this map. So I did like that uh, there or, or like, I also like you, you get to see at the very end, like what the outcome of the yeah. situation will be. And it could lead to one thing or another. Right. I really liked um, really early on um, you go and you meet up with like, I couldn't tell if he's your dad or your grandpa. He or, is like your, Laszlo's name. he's your mom. Laszlo is your mom's like, boyfriend in like they're in an open relationship basically so once her dad left he kind of like has been dating your mom back and forth gotcha yeah so so this guy laszlo like when you first meet up with him you haven't seen him in a long time um like he's kind of like emotionally cut off and so at the beginning of the scene uh i I took a look at what the two outcomes were going to be and it was either that he opens up to his uh, like adopted daughter i think uh like sonia nora Nora, I was close. You're, um, yeah, right there. Or, <laughs> or uh, he opens up to his friends. And I was like, I don't give a shit about these friends. I was like, I want to make him open up to Sonia because I bet that'll matter, you know? Yeah. Um, or like matter more immediately, maybe. Um, and, and so I I had a good time like trying to figure out, again, like the, the meta narrative of like, how do I get it to go to this point? Not yeah. exactly like I'm choosing every single choice exactly how I would choose them right. or what I would want my character to do. But you can do it like that, like it kind of. You and know, then sometimes it, you think you're making you're, you're making the right choice and then the characters will like react to you in like a disapproving way. And sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't think this choice would make you upset. That's not what I meant to do. And then you're like, oh, shit, I made the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they just do some interesting things. But I think that point you mentioned at the very beginning when you're like with Nora and Laszlo, they spend a lot of time establishing those two characters. Yeah you meet a lot of other integral characters that you don't get that much time meeting and learning their sure. backstories with. Cause as the plot gets more complicated and there's more like narratives in there, some of the other characters don't get that kind of focus. And I really wish mm-hmm. they did because that was a time that like, I really started to understand, like I really connected with Laszlo as a character because he was clearly hurting. I wanted to know why he was hurting. Nora seemed to be really distracted the whole time. I wanted to know why. And these other characters then just kind of come in and there's such like short moments. I'm like, well, I've already been to, chapters with those two characters i'm going to support them rather than this random uh zaddy who came in here who i seem to be attracted to not me as the character but there's nothing wrong with him he was you know really an attractive man but you're talking about lazlo being a zaddy no 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 the, there's another uh another uh, one another that may or may not have been in a relationship with your mom who's to say mm, you know what i mean but right. then he also starts flirting with you like you feel a warm thing oh. in, your, in your stomach yeah so it's his very, eyes darken yeah yeah that's something that people say in in visual novels yeah <laughs> fictions when when it's about to his eyes darkened yeah um i will say so as far as like don't nod goes I, I find them like hit or miss for me like i don't i don't like life is strange i've given it a fair shake um i because I, what i don't really 
what I can't usually get behind is like the writing of the characters in those games. Um, I, I find them to be a little like grating or like very much, um, you know, that like meme from, I think it's like 30 rock of like, what's up my fellow kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I find those like the games to be like that. And like, there's a certain charm to that, but I, I don't personally get a lot out of it. I, this, I have not experienced that at all. Like I have found that this is pretty on the money in terms of like solid writing and good performances from like the voice actors too. Um, so I like, I, as far as like, I think this is probably my favorite of like the don't nod games. Um, but I'm I'm still not like a hundred percent in just with like the game's mechanics. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And like, I would say it, it, it'd be worth you at least getting to chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get through chapter three and I mean, I'm on chapter four now, so I'm not that much further than that. The, the way chapter three kind of builds in its climax is done in a very interesting and good way. And yeah. it was like the first time that I was like, oh, wow, this is like a really interesting use of these bond crystal mechanics that really made you think and plan out your thing about who you wanted to help and then what was the outcome you wanted and like kind of like leveraging those two things. Yeah. Um, but it is a five chapter game and it's kind of hard to recommend uh, at one of the, only at one of the, the, the chapters it took till act, you know, act three to get to that moment. You know what I mean? Right, right. But um, it's definitely trying new things. And for someone who is generic, is generally bored by visual novels, this one mm-hmm. bored me for like 30 minutes and then I got into it. I will say too, I think this is an interesting way and we've been seeing this more and more of changing up the Choices Matter game. You know what I mean? Because like I feel like there was like the Telltale formula and a lot of studios try to adopt that yeah like like beat for beat like i feel like life is strange is very much that you know um or even like uh uh the dark pictures games were like that you know whereas um like super massive or super giant whoever makes like uh until dawn and like the dark pictures and um the quarry and stuff like the quarry and until dawn like leaned away from that in favor of more like of like a movie of, of trying to be like rep like be a movie as opposed to like an episodically told narrative yeah um and then you've got like um what was that game i really liked until dawn no um dusk as dusk falls oh yeah uh, which t- does a similar thing as like until dawn and whatever but the art style is really different and then the way you can like explore the the narrative tree is really really cool and and interesting as well and you got to like make quick choices sometimes as things were happening like they they play on that so it's not just this very like passive kind of game it's like a yeah whereas this this is like kind of going in more of like leaning into the uh narrative choice aspect of it as opposed to like we're trying to be like an hbo tv show right but this is like we are leaning into the choose your own adventure part of it so far that we are peeling it all back and showing you the timeline yeah. before it happens. Yeah. So you can figure out how you want to do this. And I think that's cool. I think that's an interesting spin on this genre, which I like. I like the telltale formula. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mind that, but it's interesting to see how this has grown, you know? Yeah. Um, so recommend it. Would you? It seems yeah. like yes, right? I, I, yeah, I'd recommend it. But you got to know that you're get, coming into a visual novel decision making game. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you're if, so, if you are not a fan of those, this is not going to turn you around yeah so but, that is a 76 on pc from metacritic yeah uh, and i would recommend it probably under the same guys although i have far less experience with it so you take my recommendation there with that pretty large grain of salt um but you know what i have played a lot of justin pokemon uh okay well, you know what else i played a lot of zelda justin? okay uh maybe i'm just a little too broad uh you know what else i played a lot of that came out this week justin final fantasy 10 I've played a lot of Final Fantasy X, that is true. That came out in 2002. You were so close, yeah, Okay, Justin. I was off by like um, just 21 years. <laughs> was it two yet, 2002? Uh, probably. I mean, 
Think about that for a second. 21 years ago? Uh, 2001, excuse me. That's worse. 22 years ago. Yeah. My oh, bad, my bad, my man. bad. No, uh, Final Fantasy 16, Justin. Oh, I've played yeah, yeah, a yeah, fair yeah, amount yeah. of Final Fantasy 16. Uh, I would say probably about five hours of it at this point. Um, on the PlayStation 5, it has scored an 88 on Metacritic and it's unscored on PC because I don't think it's out yet on PC, but I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, TBA um, 2024. Yeah, okay, okay. 88 for the PlayStation 5 on Final Fantasy 16. Have you played, did you play the demo of this game? I did not. It's downloaded. I'm, I want to play it, but I also like, I don't think, does progress carry over? It does. Oh, then I will, I will. The demo is the first two hours of the game. Okay. I will probably wait because I do want to play this game, I think. Mm -hmm. So uh, this conversation will be enlightening for me if I want to play this game or not. Okay. I, uh, this is an interesting one. I'll be honest with you. This is like a very interesting one. Um, cause like. So I played the demo before it came out so that I could get a jump start on writing about it. Um, and then I've, I've put about like three to four to maybe five hours into it on top of that. And Justin, I think I love Final Fantasy 16. Oh, okay. I think I like really, really like it. Um, the problem here is like right off the bat, it's not really a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of what it is. Um, what do you mean by that? It, so like it, it's tough to know where to start when talking about this so like i, I apologize if i'm a little scattered um in my experience final fantasy tends to be more of a turn-based jrpg um system right not always right you have stuff like the final fantasy 13 stuff which is um not turn-based per se right you have the stuff with final fantasy 7 remake which feels like a a change which feels like it's adding on top of the final fantasy 13 combat where it is active time in real time but there are turn-based elements to it where you're having to wait for um you know meters to charge and recharge so that you can pull off special moves and whatever um or there's just straight up like turn-based rpgs like your final fantasy 10s and you know everything else like that um where it's like i'm gonna attack now you're gonna attack now i'm gonna attack you're gonna attack right um final fantasy 16 is just straight up a 3d action game it is like a devil may cry like the the, i think the director the combat director is the combat director from devil may cry and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff um so in terms of like what you were expecting what i was expecting from a final fantasy game this was not it i was not really like i knew that they had talked about like it being more of that 3d um sword combat stuff but i was really not expecting them to do away with 99 percent of all the rpg stuff in here in addition to all that, um, Final Fantasy, I feel like, is a lot of the times about managing a full party of characters, right? Who come and go, who all have different abilities and managing their... Who cometh and goeth, right? Um, managing their, like, equipment and weapons and abilities and all that sort of stuff. Whereas this game, you are managing one character. And you're not really managing a whole lot outside of um, just a small handful of abilities and his equipment. And that's kind of it. It is not as deep like mechanically as other final fantasy games which i think like diehard final fantasy fans might not love about this but what all that stuff is replaced with the 3d combat is excellent um i like i really really like it um and i in terms of just like where i'm at right now appreciate a smaller scope that might just be because I've just got done playing Tears of the Kingdom, you know what I mean? Which was like the largest scope imaginable. But um, it is it is really easy and simple to understand in that regard. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So 
if you were to try to classify this as what is the closest Final Fantasy game that this is like? Uh, I mean, maybe it's it's like Final Fantasy VII Remake in terms of its structure, okay. where it is it's pretty linear. Yeah. Um, you you were texting me about like, oh, is it kind of open world? And I was like, not really, even at all. <laughs> like, okay. kind of like basically in between levels, in between missions, like you have access to a lot of stuff, and you can go back to this hub town to like buy new armor or like forge new armor, buy items and stuff like that, do side quests. But for the most part, it's kind of like throwing you on one end of a map and just saying, like, you fight your way to the other other so side of this pretty, thing. That's pretty similar to both the Final Fantasy VII remake kind of situation, yeah. Final Fantasy XIII, and a little bit, I guess you could say, the dungeon system of uh, Final Fantasy XV. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, like it's been a long, it, it's been a while since I played Final Fantasy XV. And am I remembering correctly to do the combat? You just held one of the buttons and then you pointed, you like held like the X button and then you would just like do a bunch of attacks and then you would like hold the direction of what way you wanted the attacks to be going. Am I making that up? I, I'm not 100% familiar with that. Like I, I, pl I beat the game and I played it, but I think it was a little bit more than that, but it's, it wasn't, I mean, it was more complicated it, than that, but not, but much, not right? that complicated. Um, and I think it was basically like an action-y game for, for a big part of it. Yeah. This feels like, um, a happy medium between those two things, because you do, you are managing like cool, like ability cooldowns and stuff like that in this, but it is much less like selecting abilities from a menu. It's, it's more like hold L2 to use, hold L2 to blow up the menu of your fucking cool ass flame attacks or wind attacks or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not like, I'm going to cast kiraga you know or whatever yeah. on the on the party um it's but it's good man like the combat's great it feels it's fast it's responsive it's it's really really good the game looks great the performances are really good i think the story is really really comprehensive and makes sense and um it throws you in the deep end with some stuff uh in terms of like warring factions and warring like countries and things like that which so far is still a little bit like uh, like I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to like where everyone's from, but it seems like that's all going to be coming together here. Um, because this is my favorite kind of story where like it tells a character specific emotional story set in a world that is deep and complicated and has like deep history and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, like, I, people keep saying it's like a game of Thrones and like, I think, that's that's meant in the best way possible how yes game of thrones you're in the middle of this world that you get in the middle of this conflict where the characters in this conflict are they all start together but they kind of like branch out into this world but like there's so much backstory to it that makes it interesting and it's so epic in its scale so you're saying that this is that kind of world that is this big epic world but you're kind of getting the slice of life of clive and what yes. his character so, is doing i can't really speak to game of thrones because i've not watched it or read it right um but like it's similar to me as like a Lord of the Rings where I really, I really relate to and get, can get down with the individual like struggles of the characters, like on a personal level, but then also like the grand scale world is really interesting. And like, even if you aren't keeping up with like the individual politics of each different place, like you still get what's going on, you know? And also what's great about this game is there's something called active time lore which is a funny name. And Love when it, it you first, when it first like tells you what this is, like in the first like hour of the game, it's like, what, like, okay, I'm not going to use this. <laughs> what it is, is you pause a cutscene and then you hit the, the, um, touchpad in the center and it'll pull up 
all of the relevant information you're going to need from the, what's going on in the cutscene in little tags. Oh. So like, here's two characters and what they're talking. And here are the two characters in the scene that are talking. You have a little tag that you can click on and it gives you a very brief, like one to two sentence, like explanation of who this character is, where they're from and what they're currently, what they want. And then you get that for both characters. But then also there will be a tag for a concept. Like, let's say they're talking about um, the bastards who are like uh, a group of assassins. That concept will also show up and then you can click on that and then you can get just one to two sentences or maybe three. Right. Of just like, here is what this concept they're referring to is, which I really appreciate. I hate lore dumps. I hate when it's just like six paragraphs of just like, here's everything you need to know all at once. This con this thing is just so simple to go like oh got it easy and then also you'll get like uh in the active time lore stuff is always the place that this is happening like where is this like who own like what like faction or like country is this taking place in and like stuff like that and then usually you'll get if like um someone is acting as a representative of a country um you will get a a tag for that country as well and what that country wants and like who they are generally. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's like a quick little like spark notes of like the, the what's happening. Yeah. And, and like, I don't read it all the time and I don't read it. And when I do, I'm not reading everything on there, but like, if I'm just like, who is this yeah. person again? I'm sorry. This is it's our just like, fifth oh, brooding shit. white yes. male character. Um, who, who is he again? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I did see, I, I saw, um, I, I, I don't remember what, creator was i think it was like a streamer or something um it was a black man and he was talking about how like uh he made a meme basically saying like do you remember this like a few months ago like they revealed like yeah there's no black people in this game yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and when they asked about it the final fantasy team basically said like well we're setting it in medieval you know uh, uh it's like medieval europe inspired so like were there black people there no and it's like probably dude first of all but second of all like um who fucking cares? It's a made up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's made a made up, up right? fantasy realm. And don't they have like different like countries and yeah. stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not <laughs> like, Europe. Okay. It's not Europe. Um, but also uh basically this guy tweeted like uh you know, six months ago I was not super stoked on the I like I was upset that like there are no black people in this game. But then like hearing about like how much fucking slavery is in this game, maybe not that maybe Probably not wouldn't having have been the, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be the best. Um, cause, cause that's, that's the thing is, is I think the story is really, really interesting. Um, just the spark notes version is the active lore. You, yeah. Here's my active lore of the story of final fantasy 16. You, in this world, there are nine, um, you know, like the summons that have always been in final yeah. fantasy, like Ifrit and whatever, um, those summons, not the nine of them, um, are born into humans. So human, a, a human being, uh, will have the fire elemental within them one person will have the fire elemental and um in the different countries and different cultures those people they're called dominants um who are who have the spirit of whatever beast inside them are treated differently depending on what the culture is so in the culture that the main character comes from that person the dominant it becomes the king of that country whereas in another culture that you meet like the iron hearts or something like that they view the um dominant as like a freak of nature and as like a like a a demon basically and basically keep them in chains and slave and like they're a slave to just be used as a war machine um and so basically you play as the eldest son of the king and queen of i'm forgetting the name of the place you're from and your, your grandfather was the dominant but he passed away and once the dominant dies the spirit moves on to someone else and uh someone else who's not born yet you have like 
if if the dominant dies, the spirit doesn't then move on to someone who's alive. It has to be born yeah. from someone else, yeah. right? So um, the phoenix was your grandfather, and it was supposed to be you because you were sort of the next in line, but it skipped you and went to your younger brother, and Joshua. And so because of that, your dad, the king, likes you, um, but your mom doesn't like you, and and basically like you are not looked at the same way because you don't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, type... it, like back in the day, like you were uh, your firstborn daughter. They wanted right, a man exactly, because that exactly. would be the lineage. Yes. So you just you're not you don't have that lineage. So basically, um, you end up witnessing um, the your. This is in the first two hours, right? This is what like the premise of the game is. I'm sorry, spoilers, but like this is the premise of the game. It's a game about fucking Ifrit's getting revenge. In it. So Joshua gets killed by a secondary fire uh, icon, is what they're called, the summons. And there's not supposed to be a second fire icon. There's only supposed to be one of each like element, essentially. And so it's like, who was this fire icon? And the whole beginning hours of the game here are about trying to figure out who the, that fire icon is. And Clive wants to go kill them because essentially then after yes. all this happens, um, Clive and crew get betrayed by someone. I won't spoil who gets betrayed. And basically Clive survives the attack, but is basically sold into the army. And he gets is put in a like suicide squad, essentially. Because also in this culture, it's really like I'm interested. Like I think this is cool that there's like a lot of like intricacies and like the cultures and stuff like that. Um, in the culture, at least in the place where Clive is from, um, basically there's two types of people: people can do magic and people who uh, without any sort of like a, additional like items. And then there are people who can do magic um, that and but are required to have crystals to use them. And so crystals are like a really like valuable currency because like a lot of people need them to do magic. Um, but the people who can do magic without crystals are called branded and basically sold into slavery to use their magical abilities um, for work or for battle or whatever. And so you become branded because you can use magic without a crystal and you get put on this like suicide squad who because you're basically like expendable. Um, you get put on the front lines and then 13 years pass and then you decide you you come to. You find some things that are going to help you find the dominant, the mysterious dominant who killed your brother. Does that make sense? That's yeah. like the premise. No. And I, I know I, that, that like, there's like a lot there, um, but it, it, it's complicated, but it's simple at the same time. Like the way it's told, I think it, at first it's very confusing because it's just like who is what is going on here. But after about 30 minutes, it just pairs itself down to you are a 15 year old boy and you're doing this. And then all that stuff happens. And then the main meat of the game is 13 years later. All right, so following that up, um, first of all, Joshua and Clive are the are the most basic sounding names for. Oh, you got Sid, you got okay. Gavin, okay. you got. Um, Is there Jeremy in there? Basically, I mean, you've got you've got all sorts of weird names, and I was talking to Elena about this, and I think they were talking about this on the VGC podcast. Um, it's such a fun thing that this happened because, like, in the U.S., that name would not go through. It would have to be like like our protagonist is going to be called Clive. No, he's Clive. not going to be called Jason or Jack. You know what I mean? Like he needs like a Chris, like an action guy. Yeah. name. But like, it just feels so earnest. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're going to call him Clive. Oh yeah. Clive, Clive and, and Josh, especially like, buddies. Hot, like hot off the heels of like Noctis. Yeah. Right. 
Glayola. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like these like hot, like these fantasy ass names. Like it's just fun to have like this badass guy be named Clive. And even like his um the, the name he goes by for a long time is Wyvern, which is also cool. You know what I mean? Um, but it's cool, man. It's it's good. It is a lot of cutscenes broken up by a little bit of gameplay. But like I'm on board with the cutscenes, I'm on board with the gameplay, and like I imagine this might be disappointing to like diehard Final Fantasy fans who like the more like party management stuff because you do end up with a party, but you don't control them at all, um, and they come and go pretty pretty frequently. A lot of the times they'll come and go like in 30 minutes. Um, you do you have a dog named Torgal who um who you can command but it's really really simple and light like it's not it's not particularly deep what you can do with Torgal. um but i'm i'm like super bought into this game right now uh it is really really enjoyable in my opinion so far so i am i'm in for the story that sounds like just up my alley of of stuff that i like that kind of medieval fantasy like warring kingdoms against each other i super interesting i'm i'm sold there what i'm not sold on is the gameplay what in your experience does this game feel like when you play uh, it's not a jump 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 it's not a jump jump dash game but it feels like near automata okay in my opinion like like just that like it's not con- like you're not worried about combos necessarily in the sense of like oh i'm gonna memorize xxy you know what i mean um but more of like you're worried you have to manage like okay, I'm going to do three sword attacks and then a magic attack. And then I'm going to use, I'm managing my cooldown. So I'm going to use a more powerful like icon attack. And then I'm going to do this and that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like uh, dodging is really big. You can't like block attacks, but you can dodge out of the way and you get iframes. So it's kind of like um, Dark Souls in that sense of like you dodge through attacks. You know what I mean? And if you get a perfect dodge, which you want to, um, you can always do a follow-up counterattack. Um does that make sense? Like, I've, yeah. I've not really played like a lot of Devil May Cry, so I can't really speak to if it feels like that, um, or like Bayonetta or anything like that. But to me, it feels like something like, um, like Near Automata, where like being stylish and quick and and that sort of stuff is really emphasized. What about powers? I know you don't have like you know your your typical uh, materia kind of like stuff, but like what kind of powers do you deal with, and how do you swap between those? So you are you are blessed by the Phoenix. I don't know what that exactly means in terms of the lore. Um, if like everyone is blessed by Phoenix, like by these icons, or if like it's only the branded people who are blessed by who are given magic and stuff like that, but you can use magic. And so uh, initially, you start out with um, just the Phoenix, and so you have a few different abilities that you can use. Um, each icon has like four or five different like abilities that you can equip, um, as well as like an yeah, you have you have like a, a handful of different abilities that you can use in terms of magic that you have to like slot into two different slots um and then uh they you're managing cooldowns and stuff like that and as the game goes on you unlock more um icons to use and slot into those slots and you change them so basically like i have for um the phoenix two attack slots that i can use um in addition to just like sword combat magic combat whatever um two attack slots and then as you get more um icons I have two icons right now. So I've got the Phoenix and then I've got another one that I'm not sure the name of. I hit L2 or L1 and then I switch rosters to the icon that I have there who 
has two additional attacks. So now I can use those two attacks. And while they're on cooldown, I can switch back to the flame attacks and use those again because they're on separate cooldowns. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can you, how quickly can you change between your icon powers in a battle? So like you can change between the different icons that you have, um, but you can't change the slots. So like if you have, if you have four icon abilities, you can only have two slotted into your active like loadout at once during a battle. You can't switch them out during a battle. But um, what's great though, is that you can respec at any time with no cost. So it really incentivizes you to play around with different abilities and stuff like that. Um, and switching between the actual icons. So like their like individual icon abilities is just the press of a button. And then now, okay, I've got the, uh, so I, I had one icon equipped. Okay, L1, boom. Now I've got the fire icon, a completely different icon that I can use like without like taking a moment away from combat, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Two quick questions to kind of like, just get there. What does the game yeah. look like? First of all, like graphic gorgeous. I'm playing on the graphical setting. Um, because I heard that the, uh, cause it runs at a, like a solid 30 there. I heard that the performance setting had some issues with frame rate. And in a game like this, I would rather have a solid frame rate than a particularly high frame rate. And, um, I also don't mind 30 frames per second if it's solid you know like if it if it hits at 30 like no problem there for me um so i'm playing it like that i'm not having any issue with it i think it looks fucking gorgeous um i did i will say this i had some issues with the demo um where it would heat up my ps5 oh and uh, i heard that i heard uh, people talk about this so there's one specific like the first main boss fight that you have um it heated up my ps5 and then instantly powered it off um and I had that like whole thing where like your PS5 like complains at you and it's like, hey, why did you turn me off? Why did you power like unplug me unexpectedly? But you did it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I didn't any mean to. <laughs> um, and then that happened once more. That might be just in the demo. I'm not sure. Um I, it seems like no one really knows what's up with that, but it happened in that one boss fight for me. Um, and then it happened again. Uh it, it didn't power off, it just gave me that uh heat warning. Um during a scripted action sequence at the end of the demo. Um, and when that happened, I just turned, put it on rest mode for, I don't know, 10 minutes, did something else, came back, and then didn't have any issues with it. I've not had that issue in the additional four or five, six hours I've played in the actual game itself. So I, I don't know what's up with that, but that was the only, like, performance issue, like, quote-unquote, that I've had. Everything else has been solid 30, looks gorgeous. Haven't switched it to performance mode yet, though. But I don't know if I'm going to, because... I think it looks great. I think it plays great at 30. Like, yeah, yeah. I would probably prefer it at 60 just because it's an action game like that. But if but it's a like, consistent frame rate, I think to me that's just as important as having. I would much rather frames. have consistent yeah. 30 than waffling between 40 and 60. Um, and then final question. The Final Fantasy is sometimes known for cheesy dialogue. Mm -hmm. Is this cheesy? No. I would say that this has been consistently well-written and always well-acted. The performances in here are really, really good, and um, I think the characters are really good. I have not, I've not, I, like at least so far, I haven't hit like a fun. Like I, I know Final Fantasy loves to throw in like a goofy, wacky, like kid or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just like you want to fucking die. Um, I have not experienced that. Uh, again, I don't know. Like it seems like it, I've still got a lot to go for. You know, but um, I think the problem is that like the big problem and the big takeaway here is like. <sighs> To me, people are calling this an RPG, and I don't think it is. That's my personal opinion. I think this is a 3D action game. 
because the RPG mechanics just aren't there. There's some side quests, right? There's some customization stuff, but like the JRPG aspects of this game have been so minimized that they're hardly even there that like, I don't know how Final Fantasy, like Die Hard, I want new Final Fantasy game people are going to respond to this because it just doesn't feel like that. Granted, those people have Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coming out, right? Which seems to be what people like. I would that even say also though, has that I would even real say time combat that's stuff, real-time combat enough. I just feel is. like this is where like the Western RPG is kind of like where things are going. Like you have that much more action focused with some light RPG elements. Like you can level up your moves, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, yes, you can. So I'm um, to me, that's light enough. And you do level up as a character. Yep. So light enough, but like, I know what you mean, but I see for those people, a uh, ton of other RPG games that, that have come out that you can play if you really want that kind of feel. But I feel like Final Fantasy has been going away from this more and more. Yes. And that's the thing, right, too, right? Like 2023 has been a fantastic year for JRPG fans. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, uh, just off the top of my head alone, we got Live Alive. We've got, or I don't know if that was this year or last year, but that might, it might blur it a little bit. We've got Live Alive. we got Octopath Traveler 2. you got um um um, 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 all like you're able to play the Persona games on switch and pc and playstation and all that sort of stuff uh that's persona three and four um you've got uh triangle strategy which was big you've got fire emblem engage um like there are a lot of jrpgs right now for you to play i know that the final fantasy series obviously like has like that pedigree of being like one of the you know squares leading the way for for a lot of rpgs um but i, I think that there's enough going on right now that you might be able to be satisfied you know, although I do understand it for people who are disappointed that they would be leaning away from that so heavily at this point, you know. But I'm loving it. Like, I'm really like I was taken by surprise by this game um, because I expected to like it. But uh, I'm, I'm really, really in with it. Yeah, this is my comeback from my vacation. Going to play this game. I really want to make sure I have time to focus on it. Um, yeah. Just to really kind of enjoy it. But I'm, although I, I don't know how long it is. I mean, like like 100,000 hours, probably. You think so? Yeah, yeah. There's something, something to do with all the shrines, and then you got to get the light roots or something. Uh, um, Hong to Beat says Final Fantasy 16 is on average for the main story 40 hours, main plus sides 45, completionist 77. So that's still big. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying it's not big, but I am saying like this is a god of war. You know what I mean? Uh, as opposed to a persona five you know yeah, or final yeah, yeah. fantasy seven or whatever um so yeah i don't know um i'm having a really good time with it uh, i'm interested to see how other people feel about it like i said we've got 88 on metacritic uh expect to hear more about this game as i continue playing it sweet justin you want to talk about the news let's do it <laughs> oh i hit the wrong button oh i didn't hear it here's the news That's awkward. Been doing this podcast 150 episodes and don't know where the button is for the for the news sound. Well, you didn't have it for um, all 150 episodes, so. Yeah, it's true. It's been good. just like 50 or so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Justin, Nintendo Direct happened last week. Oh, it did. Uh, and I just want to talk about the highlights. This was a Mario-heavy Direct. We got a Mario Super Mario RPG remake slash remaster. Unclear what the differences are at this point. Uh, uh, new graphics. New graphics. Yeah. They have the same composer back, but it looks like more or less that, yeah. the same game. 
Yeah, um, we got Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon, Pikmin 1, and Pikmin 2 all coming to Switch, which are is exciting. I uh, got Persona 5 Tactica also coming to the Switch, although we didn't see Persona 3 Reload, so I'm curious if that's going to be dropping at the same time. Uh, they announced that they're doing a Princess Peach game for the Switch. Um, this is going to be her first game like headlining uh, since Super Princess Peach on, the, I think, the 3DS, or maybe it was just the regular DS. Do you think they're going to um, give her a gun? Like when they had Shadow give it has his own game, he had a gun. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, I would. I would truly love. That'd be that. pretty cool. I'd, I'd play that game. Can you imagine if they like Mar- Like Nintendo would never do that. Like Sega will. Sega's fine with that. Nintendo. Can you imagine a side like a like a non <laughs> mainline game where Luigi has a gun? I, I guess mean, that was Luigi's Mansion. Also, uh, that Rabbids game, and I know that wasn't necessarily Nintendo based, but Mario did yeah, have a but gun. Yeah, but you are you are. Well, Squeegee there. had a shotgun. Bowser super, Bowser had right. uh, fireballs or whatever. No, you. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because you're not. Yeah. Um. But on top of all that, that Peach but like came a Glock. If like Peach had a Glock, that might be a little yeah, different, right? I think. Do you remember that the fucking opening for Shadow the Hedgehog? He's got an SMG. Yeah. And like. <laughs> kicks sonic to the side and it's like whoa yeah that might be a little different if mario and, and peach <laughs> yeah that peach game though is coming next year not not this year um although we did get a handful of big this year announcements um notably we got warrior move it which is a new warrior game um which is kind of cool i don't know i've never really gotten super deep into those games but um it seems like fun enough but then also the big the really big thing is uh super mario bros wonder which is a I- 2d uh uh platformer which is they they haven't done any of these in a long time uh it's been about 10 years since the last like 100 new 2d mario game uh and they've been rocking the new super mario bros series since 2006 so there was like a long time that we've been getting that those new super mario games and this is not that this is a completely new thing it seems like it's like sort of going back to the roots of like Super Mario 3 and Super Mario World um, in terms of like what it looks like. It, it gets kind of weird. Like everything's like jumping around, like all the pipes are like moving and stuff like that. The trailer looks kind of fun. You could turn into an elephant. Um, what do you think about all this, Justin? What do you think of the direct? I feel like it was a good direct. It just didn't hit me personally. Um, I, I feel like Mario has to do something special for me to be in love with Mario games. I just never sure. had that like infatuation with 2d mario games even 3d mario games like i play them i like them i thought odyssey was the closest i got to really enjoying a mario game mostly Mm -hmm. because i felt like wherever you turn there was something to do yep no that makes sense um Um, and with this one the headliner being a 2d mario game which by the way your boy picked up on fantasy critic you got it i did are you kidding me what'd you bid for that like sixty dollars because I outbid everyone who could. <laughs> I tr- can I tell you something? I tried to pick it up before it was announced because there was a rumor going around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually a fucking incredible pick, yeah, Justin. Yeah. So I'm, ju- I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, looking at that game, it's uh, it's gonna be a good one. Um, I, however, d- was not necessarily like. I'm not personally excited for it. Other than now, it's on my fantasy team, so I hope it's the best game in the world. Um, play it because i've been playing a lot of the 2d mario games with elena or like like we've like jumped into those sort of things but what were you saying um so like i'll probably pick it up because i still have that extra a game pass from when i bought uh tears of the kingdom so oh yeah it it makes sense to be a game i buy um 
And like the other games too, Mario RPG, I have I did not have that kind of love for it. I mean, it came out what ninety six, like an old game, right? Yeah, it's old. And I believe it's even on the Switch Online right now. So if you got that, you can play the original version to see if it's something that you're interested in. Um, But I would assume that, I mean, it's an older game. It's a slower game. I'm sure they can make it look good. That's just not exciting to me. There are other Mario RPGs that are better than that. Um, And then everything else is just like some some good games. I'm glad a lot of stuff is coming to Switch, but I wasn't excited by anything. But like Nintendo, you, you have the game of the year released already. You don't need to do much more to make me happy. That's the thing. Like, uh, sorry, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, yeah. like I, that they're like I don't think they needed to have a ten out of ten direct at this point in the year with Zelda out and whatever else. But I wouldn't argue that it was a bad direct. I would argue no, that no, no, it no. wasn't directed towards me. Um, yeah. But the games and announcements, these are things people are calling for. I mean, one of the few things that could have been announced at this direct that would have made me legitimately excited would have been Wind Waker. I am waiting for that Wind Waker port for yeah. Switch. I will buy that day one. Nintendo, listen to me. Listen, hey, Nintendo, <laughs> day one. Um, but I think this is this is what it seems like the sunsetting of your Switch is going to be. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like this is the the probably one of the last big things to be put out on this Switch is going to be the Peach game. I would assume. Um, yeah. And then maybe we are heading into that new that new Switch world next year. I, I don't think that you are wrong about that at all. I think. And Nintendo is so good. They are better than most companies about announcing something that six months later comes out. And that's yes. the first time you hear about it. Yes. So I have full confidence that they come out with another direct at the end of the year or even in January to announce two or three new games that are coming out that are going to keep people excited and happy with it. Like they they have been consistently good at filling their release calendar. And I feel like this, again, we know what the end of the year is going to be. We have a little bit of a sense of what next year is going to be. And there's still that ambiguous Metroid Prime 4 on the horizon who goodness only knows. See, that's the thing you like, like they are good at saying, hey, this is coming out and PS is coming out in six months or they're good at saying like, hey, we're working on this game and then it disappears yeah. like Bayonetta, right? Three, yeah. like Pick Metroid Man. Prime 4, uh, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or it just disappears and we never hear from it again. Um, but I would say that they are much, you are much more likely to get that game than for it to just go away, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, no, uh, I, you're right. You're right. This was not a bad direct, just not something that like was personally where I, uh tend to really like my directs you know yeah um but that's okay because i'm playing zelda and zelda's great you know what i mean that's all i need um and i'll play i will play the mario game i'll we'll talk about it here um because like i said i play those with elena and um we have a good time with those sort of sort of things so should be a lot of fun justin are you sitting down we're gonna have a long long little talk here about microsoft and the ftc um for their hearing that is the federal trade commission of the united states i believe uh yeah it is where i think to catch everyone up i believe the ftc um gave it uh, granted a temporary block um on on the activision blizzard deal for microsoft buying them right and now Microsoft is appealing that and coming into court to say, to argue why they believe that they should be able to purchase this company, right? Or I guess this group of companies. Um, and there has been a lot <laughs> going on with this. Um, and do you, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with what Phil Spencer have said, like the little like sound bites from him? Or do you want to start with just these bullet points that we have here? Um, I guess we can start with some of the bullet points and then go to Phil Spencer because we'll start with day one and then we'll go to, to day two. 
Yeah. So this is um, this is an a an article on GamesIndustry.biz titled "Everything We Learned from the Microsoft vs. FTC Hearing" by um, James Bachelor, who is the editor in chief of GamesIndustry.biz. So uh, this is a great article if you are looking for just a comprehensive bullet point list of like here are the things that are happening and what's going on and and who's saying what. Um, and I, I think it's great. So um, I guess let's get into this. I'm stop me when you when you want to talk about these because i have questions for you so the first thing on here is vice president uh, xbox vice president sarah bond testified that activision blizzard ceo bobby kotick demanded special treatment specifically a more favorable revenue share and threatened to pull call of duty from xbox platforms if microsoft didn't agree bond also explained the platform holder gave activision this new share because it quote had players whose expectations wanted to be met so essentially Activision Blizzard said, we need more money uh, for all of this, and we are going to not put Call of Duty on Xbox if you do not comply. And they went along with it because they were like, if we don't have this, people are going to be mad. Yeah, it leads into the fact that Sony had spent more money than Microsoft on Call of Duty for a long time to really get the dominance of Call of Duty to Sony. I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised by this at all. Um, it also says here that Bond admitted Microsoft occasionally agrees to an 80-20 revenue split rather than the traditional 70-30, but only, quote, where we believe it was critical to get that content. So I'm not surprised by that, right? Yeah, I mean, marketing like companies deals, are going to yeah, yeah. change their, their rates and whatever based on what they can get. Um, this is not surprising to me. So Bond also claimed that the majority of Xbox cloud gaming players use it as a console feature, which means starting to play a game while it downloads in the background rather than a service. So rather than like walking out and about using the Xbox cloud. Um, also that makes sense to me. It's, it makes sense to me now because it doesn't work well enough. Right. It's, it's not 100% there, but yeah. I, I feel like as they continue to improve it, which it has been improving. I mean, I would say significantly, right? Like I, I played a lot of Signalis uh, on my phone um, back in like December on X cloud. And, and I've, found that to be perfect that was like not a twitchy action game necessarily but still it is a game that requires a little bit more of the those fast reflexes and whatever you know yeah um but also that is my subjective experience with it right um bond also revealed that xbox was working on a dedicated version of xbox cloud gaming separate from xbox game uh separate from xbox game pass ultimate but quote the operational costs are higher end quote and microsoft has since made partnerships with other cloud gaming services so it sounds like they're not doing something separate for x cloud anymore or if they are it's it's not currently in development unclear though um the cloud stuff is not the stuff that i'm necessarily most interested in but i think that they're talking about it a lot because i believe the ftc cited that as one of the reasons why they believed that this was going to be a big issue yeah i believe it was also in uh the british trade commission one of the european ones as well brought up cloud gaming too so maybe it was that one yeah but 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 this has been a talking point with this yes um so with all this though I, i think a lot of people have come out looking bad um I mean, Xbox Xbox has come out looking bad because, I mean, they're a big company who does big company stuff, right? So, uh, so they don't always look great. I think Activision Blizzard frequently comes out of these things looking bad. Anytime I think Bobby Kotick's name comes up, it's always like there's always just something shitty <laughs> going on there, right? Um, but here uh, we're going to get some dirt with uh, uh, Jim Ryan, PlayStation CEO. So apparently an email from PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan shared in the court 
uh, and reported on by IGN, showed that the exec was initially unconcerned by the proposed acquisition, that being the uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition. Writing two days after the deal was announced, he said that it was, quote, not an Xbox exclusivity play at all, end quote, and that Microsoft was thinking bigger than that. He added that he was, quote, pretty sure we will continue to see COD on PlayStation for many years to come, end quote, and that the company will be okay more than okay. So despite the fact that he and the rest of PlayStation have been saying since this acquisition went through that they're worried about the future of Call of Duty, that this whole thing is is going to affect them in a major way, Personally, he's been saying that they're going to be fine. Obviously, we've talked about this a lot before, right? That it is his job to make this deal not go through because PlayStation will lose money if it does. But this doesn't look great, right? As as a case for for their arguments that they've been making in the past of him saying like, yeah, we're like literally going to be fine, right? It's not great if he's also trying to say like oh but we are gonna like take a major hit and this is gonna be a huge issue for us right oh yeah Um, yeah and i think a lot of this stuff too i mean so much of all of this stuff has to do i I, so if there's something that you're super passionate about that you love right like Mm -hmm. if i'm sitting here i'm gonna start talking about chicago bears right and i'm really going at it and being about like you know i think justin fields is like the perfect quarterback for anything and then and then you stop me you're like justin um so in football when the court like the quarterback throws the ball right and I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm not like, yes. And like, it feels like the FTC, the, a lot of these questioning, the stuff that's bringing up, they are focused so much on like the basic building Like the blocks basics of the industry, yes. It has nothing to do with the more complex issues. And I feel like it's not just the FTC. I feel like everyone, there. I, I, I felt from the beginning, the issue with this acquisition is that you have a $3 trillion company taken on almost a $1 trillion company, right? Like, or I guess not a $69 billion company. Yeah. Like you have one major company taking another pretty big company and it's not so much about the exclusivity. It's not so much about like getting COD on here. Like the issues have to go with what this means for the gaming industry as a whole and what it means for smaller developers versus these mega companies. To me, that is the only issue I think is valid for the FTC to be complaining about. But when you're reading all these bullet points, it's like and it, it, it feels like they're like having to like go over what is what this is. Right. And it feels like it feels to me like the people and I'm not saying that it's us. I'm not saying that we're right, the informed right. parties here, but I am saying that like, it feels like the people who are making these decisions like are not familiar with the, what this situation is at all. Right. 100%. And it feels like from uh PlayStation's perspective, they're trying to make something stick. They're like, they're just trying, like something here is going to yes. work. We're gonna, like, pe- we're not the old, they're, they're not the only one spearheading this. Like right. governments are also spearheading this. They're just kind yes. of like, all right, we're going to try to make sure because yeah, it's bad for their business. They're going to lose money by this. Yes. Yes. And it's their job. It's they their job. To don't have Starfield happen. because of this, yes. like at the very, right. not because of this, but because of acquisitions that Microsoft made. Like yes. this is something that's happened before. And Sony knows that they're going to lose sales on this if they don't do, if they don't do something. So that's what they're doing. I understand that. But like, it is way more than Sony not having as many exclusives because of this acquisition. At least that's right. what I thought it was. But the more I read about this, the more I'm like, what the, this is, if this is the case they're worried about, this is not going to like the FTC is not going to stop this. <laughs> well, right. And it's also it's it's tough, too, because it, it's like, OK, if the FTC stops this, I think that opens up a whole can of worms. Right. For like, yeah, like Sony, you bought Bungie. Yeah. For not the same amount of money, but for also in the billions, I think. Right. Like 
like this is a big can of worms that right. Sony are you really sure you want to open this can of worms like with uh, you know? what about your exclusivity deal Sony what about your exclusivity which, which deal with Microsoft are frequently which I, I feel Sony's exclusivity deals are frequently more aggressive than Microsoft's Th- I feel like my, that. I though opinion, I would say like, I would say purchasing a 69 billion dollar company is a little bit more aggressive than anything Sony's done <laughs> well but, but the thing is like and I know that this is just what they're saying and yeah, yeah, actions yeah. and words and whatever the the game like Activision Blizzard, those games to me seem like they were going to be releasing everywhere. Yep, I would I would be shocked, right? If Call of Duty didn't, I would be shocked if Overwatch didn't or Diablo or whatever the fuck, right? Like like that would be shocking to me if those games didn't release everywhere. Whereas, I mean, I know PlayStation, they're like you know, marathons releasing everywhere, right? But like everything else that Sony buys is PlayStation exclusive, and I don't think that's bad. I don't. I mean. I, I don't think that's wrong, you know what I mean? But I think that they are upset that Microsoft is trying to play ball a little bit with this. Um, continuing on, court documents reviewed by IGN suggest the, quote, extended starting, expected starting period for the next gen of consoles is 2028. Um, the estimate came up during a discussion of Microsoft's proposed 10-year deal to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, saying the terms guarantee this series will continue on the next Sony console and guarantee um, parity with Xbox versions. So that they are well fair they're happy to extend this to the ps6 and then you know whatever that means for xbox and whatever else sexy sex. um, makes sense makes sense to me um steven Totillo from axios shared comments from jim ryan who said that sony would not be able to share details about the next playstation console with microsoft controlled activision ryan believed activision would not be incentivized to develop ga- uh, games that make use of any device features that were not available on the next xbox um he goes on to say that or you know this was a different uh, publication said that um that they lost out on ps5 there was not a microsoft uh, uh, sorry a minecraft ps5 version at launch because sony would not share their pre-build uh their pre-release build with with um mojang which i guess makes sense but Sony, you're gonna do it because it's Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Like, like you're gonna do that. I I think it makes sense totally that Sony would do it for Minecraft, and I also think it makes sense that they'd be hesitant to do it for Call of Duty because that's sure. literally giving one of your direct competitors access to what you're doing before yeah. you get their access. And I know that's like a fine line, but like it makes sense why Sony wouldn't want to do that. But like cost benefit analysis is Xbox saying we have ten more teraflops than you gonna be worth missing out. But also, I feel like like I and I this is my shows my ignorance, right? Like, how far and ahead are you giving out these dev kits? Probably like like they I mean, I'm sure these plans have to go into effect sooner like than a the long actual time, I guess. But yeah. I guess my thing is like, like, how long are you giving out these dev kits? Do you think you're giving them out long enough for Xbox be, to be able to shift its production and, and development plans of their new xbox i don't know like I mean, that, again that's that's you can, my you can throw another you whatever. can throw another teraflop in there no big deal right i know i know yeah, everything just, about technology you know what a, a teraflop hurts what if what if on xbox's there? next console it just said plus one to whatever playstation has <laughs> on all of its specs <laughs> there's this twitter account that i imagine is gone now because all because of what's going on with twitter um where basically if you said tweet about how many push-ups you do it, it responds to you saying that it did one more than you so this guy <laughs> tweeted like oh, i just did 100 push-ups and the response is like i just did 101 push-ups Got and then it. the guy responded and he's like oh i didn't mention that i was wearing a 10 pound vest and then the response is like i was wearing 11 pound vest 
fucking great. Um, uh, Steven Tatilla also said that uh, the FTC's claims that the 10-year deal between Microsoft and companies such as NVIDIA or Nintendo promising Xbox and Activision games for their platforms are, quote, filled with loopholes and speculative commitments. Um, I'm not saying that that's good. It does make sense. That frequently happens, right? Like, if the Switch can't run this thing, who knows? You know, like, again, I don't know specifically what they're saying there, um, but that makes sense to me as not necessarily something that is a major red flag, but also just it is still a flag. Um, a court filing uh, spotted by The Verge ahead of the hearing saw Microsoft continue to position itself as the underdog in the console space. The platform holders' lawyers wrote Xbox has lost the console wars and its rival rivals are positioned to continue to dominate, including by leveraging exclusive content. Xbox has consistently ranked third in consoles behind PlayStation and Nintendo. This is true, right? I'm not saying that Microsoft is an underdog. They're not. They're fucking not, right? But like in terms of like console sales and whatever, they are behind both of these these things, right? And what brings people to Nintendo systems, Nintendo games, right? Those first-party games. Yeah, you can play Control on there. Yeah, you can play, you know, whatever else on there. But people are coming to Nintendo to play Zelda and Mario Kart and Mario Party and Pikmin and Animal Crossing, I'm, right? I'm going to add to that. People come to Nintendo to play handheld. Yes, exactly. Right. You know. I think Nintendo is is always kind of an outlier here because of what it offers. Yeah. Um, but I, I think some of the arguments apply there, right? But then also with PlayStation, same thing, right? People come to PlayStation to play God of War. Yes, they also play Call of Duty. Yes, they also play Destiny. Yes, they also play, you know, Fortnite and whatever else. But I feel a lot of people when choosing between do I get an Xbox or a PlayStation go, okay, well, I can play Call of Duty and Destiny and Fortnite on my Xbox or my PlayStation, but on the PlayStation, I get goes to Tsushima. I get Last of Us. I get uh, God of War, right? So, I, I like again. I'm not saying that Microsoft is an underdog, but I am saying that like I do believe that this piece of evidence is pertinent and does make sense for why, like like Xbox is looking to ex expand its exclusive games. But I also don't think that they're trying to necessarily do that with their with this purchase. But that's just where I'm coming from. Um, speaking of exclusivity, IGN reported that the original agreement between ZeniMax and Disney for the upcoming Indiana Jones game uh, to be a is going to be a multi-platform title. However, Bethesda's Pete Hines revealed that this was amended to make the game exclusive to Xbox and PC, as well as arriving day one on Game Pass. I thought we knew sim similar stuff with this, right? That like Xbox bought Bethesda to get exclusive games. And I, I don't know. That's surprising that people are, are treating this like this some big revelation that Xbox was trying to keep its games that it owns off of other consoles. You know what I mean? I think what that does is shows that Microsoft has a history of keeping games uh, of true. turning that is true. cross platform games exclusive. That is true. No, you're, so you're right. I think, I think that's what they're trying to show with this. But an Indiana Jones game is different than Call of Duty, at least now. Right. Yes. And again, that, that's the whole thing where like, I'm, I hope, I hope that we're not coming across like I'm trying to apologize for Microsoft or anything like that. Um, I just think it's worth giving it this whole thing a fair shake. You know what I mean? Like, like give it a Harlem shake. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was something, what the song sounded like. Um, Ars Technica reported that the FTC pointed out to ZeniMax exclu uh, exclusives on Xbox platforms as quote, powerful evidence that Microsoft, Microsoft's assurances of multi-platform Call of Duty cannot be trusted. The commission said Microsoft's actions speak louder than words, noting that all ZeniMax titles announced since the acquisition have been exclusive to Xbox. Starfield, the Elder, the Elder Scrolls 6, and now Indiana Jones have also been made exclusive. Microsoft claimed that the situation will 
be more akin to the avail availability of Minecraft on all platforms. But the FTC has said, quote, the context for Call of Duty is very different. Um, I mean, I agree with FTC, the FTC saying the context for Call of Duty is very different, but I would say that the context for Call of Duty is very different from Starfield, Elder Scrolls, and Indiana Jones. I, I think, if anything, Call of Duty is way more similar to Minecraft in terms yeah, of that's like, what I'm saying. Like, about, I would, like, you know. Yeah, I think the context for it is important, but I would say that it's more similar yeah. to Minecraft in that, yeah. like, it behooves Xbox to want it on multiple places because that's where people are playing it, right? Yeah. Um, Axios reported that games Xbox Game Studio boss Matt Booty has further question was further questioned about Microsoft's exclusivity strategy with the FTC's lawyers citing emails Booty wrote in 2019 and 2021 in which he said there was no fucking way and quote Microsoft would bring its titles to rival platforms and services. Booty acknowledged that he was frustrated at the time over Nvidia's handling of Microsoft's games on GeForce Now with Nvidia initially adding companies libraries automatically, but that Microsoft strategies have since changed. I think this doesn't look great. I don't know how to feel about this necessarily because it does contradict a little bit of what we've been hearing where they're wanting the, the cross-platform stuff, but I also think the context of what cross-platform stuff we're talking about and the Nvidia stuff does matter, but I think also this I don't know. Booty also said that Microsoft would, ha quote, have to adjust graphics and assets to get Call of Duty running on a Nintendo Switch, which makes sense. The FTC argued that this would essentially be a new version of the game and elsewhere suggested it did not want Switch to be included in its definition of the console market. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's sort of like the FTC is, is trying to just say, different. like, the Switch is not right. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, like, but that used to happen. There used to be separate versions of Call of Duty on the Nintendo DS. I played Call of Duty world at war on the nintendo ds and it go? was very different bad was it like Justin, was it like 2d bad. uh there was a part where you i remember you got on like a like a car with a gun on it and you did like you use your your thing like that was it 3d oh no no it was not it was oh. sorry that was me on the car oh got it got it got it i was, no, it was i'd have been really excited not. i was like what a what a virgin i'll play that yes no it was not great um let's let's take a look at some of these these sort of out of context quotes from uh mr phil spencer I love um, phil. so this is from this is that was i believe all from the first day and this is from the second day uh by the way there's some excellent reporting going on on ign games Industry.biz, all over the place about like everything that's happening here um the verge as well um i i think that it is all worth looking at if you're interested in this sort of stuff these are just the cliff notes right um these are just the active time lore bits of <laughs> what's going on here so this is uh phil spencer when he took the stand on day two so uh, he said he told the judges that uh, this is uh, also sorry from an article titled Xbox's big Activision at Blizzard FTC trial. What you need to know and our coverage so far by Logan Plant on IGN.com. Xbox boss Phil Spencer tells judge I will do whatever it takes to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Immediately after Judge Jacqueline uh, Scott Cornley reminded Spencer he was under oath. He said I would raise my hand. I will do whatever it takes. We have no plan. Do we have no plan? I'm making a commitment standing here that we will not put pull oh. Call of Duty. It is my testimony from PlayStation. I, I bet they don't want it to go off of PlayStation. I right. like I, we, we've talked about this. I don't know if we necessarily need to rehash it. We've talked about it earlier in this episode a little bit. It, it is good for Call of Duty to be on PlayStation, even if Xbox owns it. I, like I think. I think not only would it hurt them financially to do that, I think the hit that they would take, especially at this point, to remove it from PlayStation would be like further reputation would I don't think they would ever recover. And or I, don't, least, I, I don't even think in the next five years. I don't even think it's about the reputation. I think it's about the, the same as Minecraft. Not, the money, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same with Minecraft. Like it has to do with 
you're not taking that away from all the different consoles because it is something that the more people can play it in the more places, the better it is for the game. Not yeah. so much for your console. Call of Duty is not just a console seller. It is a industry a platform. platform. Yes. So uh, Spencer confirms Starfield was potentially going to skip Xbox prior to a ZeniMax acquisition. The Xbox boss revealed that there were fears within Microsoft that Starfield was going to be a PlayStation exclusive following exclusivity agreements for Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. That all changed after Microsoft bought ZeniMax and Bethesda. So again, hey, that makes sense. So again, that they, makes sense to me. They, they're worried it's going to be an exclusive. So what do you fucking buy the company? You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> exactly. But uh, but it's also like, I get it. You know, if you're a company that is worried about having games on your platform and all of these companies, you get Square Enix, you get, you know, Bethesda at that point saying we're only going to make games exclusively for PlayStation. We're not going to be publishing them on Xbox. But like for me. I know Phil Spencer said this as the FTC, basically a big company saying we were afraid we we're going to lose exclusivity. So we bought the company doesn't sound like a good way for the industry to thrive. That is true. That is super true. Right. Like but clearly this isn't what the case is about. So go on, Phil. Yeah, keep talking. It's not cloud gaming now. <laughs> They're like, we think the cloud gaming. Fucking. Oh, that's not it. What he's saying. They bought the company, uh, but it makes sense. It makes sense to me, though, right? If they're worried about that sort of stuff and they're saying, OK, you know, what could we do to improve this situation here? Buy these things and get these exclusive games for ourselves, which is what Sony does, which is what Sony does. Right. Like anyway, uh, the Elder Scrolls six is still five plus years away and the PlayStation version is undecided. The Skyrim sequel is still five plus years away. And Spencer said platforms still haven't been decided yet. We don't know if the game will be an Xbox exclusive or if it will be releasing during this console generation. Um, that makes sense to me. I imagine that it's exclusivity, um, very much ranges on how this all goes, right? I, like, I think it, 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 no, I think it actually is about how Starfield goes. Oh, sure. I think that's fair. I, I, and I think if Starfield doesn't do well, I think that's the perfect opportunity for Microsoft to be like, well, listen, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should do this, but yeah, but also the court case as well. Yeah. Um, in an internal memoir, Activision tells employees that the FTC claims are, quote, factually weak and legally a stretch. I uh, really don't put any fucking stock into anything that Activision or Blizzard are saying internally to their employees um, because uh, they fucking suck <laughs> as companies. But uh, in a message to Activision employees viewed by IGN, Activision Blizzard Communications Officer Lulu uh, Meservi, which I believe we talked about her on this show as being kind of shitty <laughs> um, called the FTC's arguments quote factually weak, but like, aren't they though? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. I, yes. I'm yes, but I'm not going to agree with them because Activision said, I'm going to agree with it because you said, Justin. Thank you. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> if, if anytime it's like Activision blizzard said uh, from the, from the higher ups, I'm like, don't care. What are you, what are you saying? Justin? Yeah. It's uh, actually, it's factually weak. What the FCC has. So oh, like, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Minecraft doesn't. Yeah. This, we talked about this before. Minecraft doesn't have a PS five version because Sony didn't send Microsoft dev kits. Uh, according to Phil Spencer, he was asked why there is no native version of Minecraft on the PS5. And he said Sony was, quote, reluctant to send PS5 dev kits along uh, ahead of the console launch in 2020. We talked about this, right? It makes It does make sense, but it also does not paint a great picture of Sony uh, as they've been trying to paint themselves as people who are willing to play ball when they're not, right? Um, again, it's their job to not because they want to make money, but also 
There you go. Uh, Phil Spencer confirms Microsoft tried to buy Zynga before Take-Two acquisition. Grand Theft Auto parent company Take-Two Interactive bought mobile game giant Zynga in 2022. I believe that was a huge sale as well, billions of dollars. But Spencer revealed that Microsoft strongly considered acquiring the company before turning its attention to Activision, which also makes sense because they've talked about how their um, this deal is a lot about um, not only Activision Blizzard, but also who uh, King, I think, makes Candy Crush. And that yeah. the, the, the mobile stuff is a huge thing for act for Microsoft that, right now. And just to confirm, that was a twelve point seven billion dollar acquisition. Yes. So, so you go. That is that is um, the day two stuff here. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I I, uh, I really think one one thing that's really interesting about this. I think the more the more people like us in the video game sphere who yeah. put their focus on the U.S. government. <laughs> And what what that bureaucratic mess is, I think the better for people like to realize that politicians a lot of times aren't don't know what they're talking about. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like like and like like that's I would not trust a single one a single United States politician to understand this. I right, don't. exactly. I so like them. they don't understand our country. They don't understand anything. Like so that's why we need to have representatives in our nation gamers that gamers. are gamers. Gamers. So let us let us start. Our next president has to play call. They have to stream Call of Duty on Twitch every night in order for me to get their vote. And if they do that, guess what? I we're talking about a, we're talking about Ace Watkins here. Do you know him? No. <laughs> he was he's a a fictional guy, um, made up by. He's a character that someone from Hard Drive who's like the onion for video games plays where he's runs as his pre platform as he's running as to be the first gamer president. Um, that's pretty he's funny. very, he's very silly. Um, I imagine every, I, I don't, I don't think he's like particularly active now. I bet he will be, uh, as we get closer to the 2024 do you election think, and all that do you sort think of stuff. If, if Ninja ran for president, he'd win. Um, no, but I, uh, I don't think he would like get destroyed. I think it would be, think it would be closer than we would want. <laughs> You know what I mean? I think it would be like a the nation waits on bated breath to find out. Who's can't do another one of those elections. I just can't do it. Ninja or The Rock? Ooh, I mean, it really depends on what their long-term uh, plan is for the economy. But I'm I'm, probably... thinking, I'm curious about healthcare. I'm curious about student loan debt. Yes, yeah. those are my. There should be a three, interest. like a three-round match. They fight each other in a ring. Obviously, The Rock mm -hmm. would win, right? They Clearly. fight each other in Fortnite. in Fortnite. Obviously, Ninja would win. Third one, they would, fight. But here's the question: Would Ninja play as his character skin that he has, or would he play as The Rock? I mean, you could play as The Rock it, in Fortnite. It would probably be The Rock, and then if possible, The Rock would be just be Kevin Hart. Like that'd be pretty funny. Sure, sure. Is there a Kevin is Hart is in Kevin Fortnite? Hart in Fortnite, you said that I accepted it. I mean, I, I'm not shocked at this point. Kevin Hart. Will Fortnite. Smith is, but as just Will Smith. And like fucking Nick Cage is in. What's it? Dead by Daylight or Dying Dead Light? Yes. As just Nick Cage. Um, I'm going to say Kevin Hart is not because I don't think Kevin Hart's done anything mainstream enough to like warrant a Fortnite. Like, I mean, he's mainstream, but like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like nothing big yeah. enough to warrant a Fortnite. Although maybe he was in that ju that jungle movie, the um, Jumanji movie. Is Kevin Hart a Fortnite. Fortnite skin? Um, hard to tell. I'm not getting a clear answer. When do we get the Kevin Hart Fortnite skin? Yeah, I don't know if we do. 
Yeah, he's got. I think he's got to be in something bigger than just fucking grownups too or whatever. Though uh. <laughs> there was this image on on um, uh, Reddit here. Let me just. I'm going to throw this into the chat. Let me take a look at this um, bad boy. Let's open this you, guy you, up. you guess which one the Kevin Hart one is once it finishes downloading. Um, and if you know anything about Kevin Hart, he has a few uh, physical qualities about him uh, that make him uh, pretty unique, specifically when standing next mm. to yeah. The Rock. No, that, does, that is what he looked like in that movie that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a funny comedian. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Kevin Hart fan. I'm telling you, anyone who can sell at a stadium doing comedy... I feel like he's a good hang, Kevin Hart. Oh yeah, Kevin Hart and The Rock together. I'm sure that oh, would be what, that, what, that would what be fun, yeah. that'd be a good dynamic, right? Half yeah. of it's looking where Kevin Hart is because you can't find him behind The Rock. He's like, where are you, buddy? Where yeah, are you? It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. Um, more Microsoft news though. They are planning on they're not planning. They're going to be raising the price of the Xbox Series X and Game Pass. Um, the Xbox Series X price increase is happening everywhere, excluding the United States, Japan, Chile, Brazil, and Colombia. Um, Although the Game Pass prices are going to increase everywhere except for Norway, Chile, Denmark, Switzerland, and Saudi Arabia. Um, Xbox Series X is increasing by like 50 bucks ish. Um, uh, again, not in the US, but in a lot of other uh, markets. And Game Pass is being raised by $1. So um, currently, uh, starting in July, the monthly price of Xbox Game Pass uh, is, is going to jump from $9.99 to $10.99. I got um, to change my daily budget app for that. And then for Game Pass Ultimate, it's jumping by $2 from $14.99 to $16.99. Although PC Game Pass price is not going to be affected. That makes sense. It's not great right now. Um, but YOLO. They talked about this. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of other Xbox news going on right now. They talked about this before, right? That they said that they're not currently planning on raising prices. This was, I think, back in December. Um, but we, I believe, talked about on here, like, that they can. They should. This is the first time it, they raised Game Pass prices, everyone. Yeah. How long has Game Pass been out? It's four years, five years. So, I mean. That makes sense. And what a time like to do it. Like, going right now. Let's talk yeah. about business. I know sometimes people look at this as like this. Not, maybe this isn't the most consumer friendly thing to do. However, I would say it's not huge but... game coming out for them. Starfield. Yes. People yeah. are going to buy Game Pass for Starfield. Yep. So no, I, I agree. Um, and, you know, I, I don't remember how we reacted to this news back in when it broke, when they like mentioned it offhandedly. Um, so I don't want to be like hypocritical here. Uh, especially with like the, the Sony price increases that we've talked about and stuff and whatever. But like this happens at this point, I think it's just like whatever, <laughs> you know, it, it's inflation guys. Like, I mean, we're lucky. We are blessed that you can buy a series S for $350. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that is stop. And and look at that, that is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, I know it sucks. Everything's everything goes up in price, but I think it makes sense. Still best yeah. value in gaming. If it's yep. raised by $5, still the best. Agreed. $10, Agreed. When, I might. When is that family pass coming? I don't know. Um, like, that'll that'll be the best deal in gaming. When, when, when can Archie uh, start playing video games? Because I'm sure he'd have a, he'd want to play the Peppa Pig game. They've got those game. adaptive controllers. Oh, yeah, yeah. He could do that. You know what I'm saying? A little bump yeah. it with his nose and all that. Yeah. Um, E3, Justin, got canceled for this year after being purchased by um, Reed Pop. Um, people are saying it's not going to be happening in 2024 and 2025. Um, according to a forum on Reset Era, which is gaming forums, um, they some people came across a packet of meeting notes from the Los Angeles City Tourism Board, 
um, which basically uh, includes E3 cancellations for 2024 and 2025. Um, that said, this is an update from VGC. It says in a statement issued to VGC, E3 owner, the ESA claims that quote, no final decisions end quote have been made about the next year's potential event. ESA is currently having conversations about E3 2024 and beyond, and no final decision about the event have been made at this time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's canceled altogether from here on out, but also um, booking venue spaces is difficult. And if you are pl potentially planning on maybe pairing back the show and you're asked like, do you want this space here? We need money. Um, I would say no, right? Yeah. yeah, like off the cuff. I don't. I don't know if this is as big of news as people I think are making it out to no. be. But that's I think me. if E three does come back, it's not going to be what we thought E three was in the past. It'll be very different nope. from what it is. Yep. Um, maybe it'll be more like playing demos for consumers rather than uh, like games industry people. Like, yeah, it has a a place to come back. But I think if anything happened from this year, I don't think it needs to come back. We had one impressive press conference this year. Yep. <laughs> Everything else was okay to hey, bad. I watched, hey, I watched Mario turn into a fucking elephant. That was I mean, incredible. That, that, that was life changing. I laughed out loud in my own. In my own apartment, completely alone, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I went, ha! It's great. Uh, that's gonna. I think that's gonna do it for us here on Hitbox. I know we went a little long, but um, stop having all spoiler. the news. Here's a spoiler. There was a lot of news. And yeah. also in July, we're going to have to miss a few episodes. Justin's going to be on a honeymoon, which is very exciting for him. Bad for me as oh. a fan of Justin and someone who oh. gets to talk to him every single week. Well, you get to see pictures. I will. I will. Yeah. But I'll, I'll call you, know, you at like, yeah. I don't know what, what would be an, an appropriate time to call you. I don't know the time difference, but Justin, like Justin, here's a, this is a fact. If you called me at any time, I would pick up 100% of the time. 3 a.m. I would, call, I would pick up, of course, because also I'm like assuming like if Justin's calling me at 3 a.m., something's happening or I'm in France. Do you have uh, do not disturb on when you go to bed? I turn my phone on airplane mode before I go to bed, um, which is apparently is crazy. But I need to do it because I have a big issue with falling with sleeping. And so for a long time, I've, I've when I was in college, I committed myself to fixing my sleep health. And um, a big part of that was becoming unreachable when I need to be asleep so that that way, when I wake if I wake up in the middle of the night, First of all, I never check my phone because I'm just not trying to stare into a yeah. big bright light. Um, but if I check my if I do check my phone, maybe for the time or something like that, um, I will not see that I have texts or notifications or anything like that because I need to be completely unreachable in order to sleep. So you won't pick up at three in the morning. Uh, no, but if I was awake at three a.m., <laughs> I would pick up. Okay, on that stimulation, you'll pick up, which happens more often than you'd think. It happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, also, as someone who has a hard time sleeping, sometimes uh, I get just, into yeah, you're there. I fall into bad sleep habits yeah, on, on occasion. Yeah. Um, but that's gonna do it for us this week. We are gonna catch you next week with even more video game news, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about being in Florida because by the time we ne we talk next, Justin, I will have gone to Florida and come back. So you're I'm gonna, gonna have a tan. Yeah, I got a little bit of a tan right now going. You can't see because of my light, but I got a little um, bit of nose burn. I don't know if you tell you. I got I get scalp burn just because like where I part my hair. Mm, mm. Um, so that's all. That's my scalp update, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in joining us on Discord, link to that is in the description of the episode. If you want to support us monetarily, patreon.com slash hitboxpod. $1 podcast producers or $3 deluxe podcast producers like Jay Noel and Dave Parker. Get that bonus episode. Get it. 
we're always doing bonus episodes every single yeah. week. At this point, we have 52 of them in there. That is one full year of bonus content for you to listen to for only $3 a month. Um, if not, all good. Twitter.com slash hitboxpod. Follow us there. Tweet at us your thoughts, your feelings, whatever. We got tweeted about asking us about our thoughts about Zelda spoilers. And then what did we do? We did a Patreon exclusive bonus episode all about Zelda. No, we didn't. That was in we, the everyone got week. that Sorry. one. We we did a full we did a full Zelda spoiler cast. That's for free. That one, no charge. If you're tweeting at us, you got episode ideas, you got questions, we're gonna talk about them on our show. Um, so you can do that at Hitbox Pod on Twitter. Uh, if not, rate us on your podcast player of choice. We appreciate that as well. Justin, am I missing anything? No, you're missing how fantastic you are every week at doing this. And I still uh, have nightmares about the one time you made me do it without <laughs> telling you beforehand. <laughs> to this day, still have nightmares. <laughs> so. I thought that was a fun little twist. I thought you did great. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you next week. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. Love is all you need.